want to thank uh, any of our visitors for being with us today. If you're here today and it's your first time and you have any questions after our worship service, get with us and let us know how we can answer any of those questions that you may have. And I want to thank all those who are watching at home uh, via Zoom. And uh, if, you're, if you're healthy and able and you're able to come back to, to worship amongst the saints, we would like to, uh, love to encourage you to do so because there's nothing better than being amongst the saints to, to worship God and sing songs of praise to Him and to receive the encouragement that we have not only from worship but from one another. And so we'd be, love to have you back in person. You know, if you look on the screen behind me, uh, the, the theme for this, uh, this week's lesson is, is trusting in Jesus. And, and I asked Patrick to sing that song, uh, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus," because that's something that I want us to kind of focus on here this morning. I want us to focus on it because it seems safe to say that trust is kind of one of those things that's kind of gone by the wayside of life, hasn't it not? I mean, you think about it. I mean, trust is at an all-time low in this country right? Uh, I mean, we used to be able to turn to the local news, but now with the advent of something called fake news, you can't even trust the local news. You can't trust the national news. And it's been probably generations since we've really been able to trust them because it seems like everybody's got an, idea, an ideology that they're working off, working off of. And they only present stories that fit into their ideological uh, uh, thought processes. And so, brethren, I want us to to really think about this idea of trust here this morning. Because we sing the song, uh, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus," and we sing that in a day and a time when, when trust is at an all-time low. I mean, think about it. Think about our government agencies, right? Think about our businesses. Think about our churches in many cases. Think about our citizens. I mean, trust is at an all-time low. So who can we trust? Where can we go to find trust? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that we could trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? We could trust in his promises. We could trust in his word. We could trust in his example that he lived out and has given to all of us so that way we could have a deeper, stronger faith. And so, brethren, we need to learn more about trusting in Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, really, what is trust? You know, what is it? Why is it sweet when we say, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus'?' What is it? Why is it sweet? And why should we trust in Jesus? And so we all need to, to have answers to these questions. And it's important that we have answers to these questions because how can you explain to, uh, to others about your faith in Jesus? How can you explain to others about your love of Christ? How can you explain to others why you fully submit over to God through Christ Jesus and fully submit to the Holy Spirit guide scriptures if you're not even sure why you trust in the Lord, if, you're, if you don't even fully uh, display your trust in the Lord, do your actions, do your words display a true, uh, unabiding trust in the Lord? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves today. Because the importance of trusting God is going to affect all aspects of your life. It's going to be pretty obvious to anybody around you if you fully trust in the Lord. I mean, if you're around uh, other Christians and you say that, yes, I believe, I trust in the Lord, but yet your life many times may, well, it, it, it may speak against you, right? Your actions may not always align with your words, right? It's easy to say, yes, I trust in the Lord, yes, I believe in the Lord, but it's a whole other thing to actually live out a life that is faithful and true unto the Lord. When I think about the scriptures here this morning, 
Uh, we think about Ephesians, and we'll get to that one here in a second, but we all need to know how to explain these answers to those who are, we are looking to evangelize, those who are, we are looking to influence. The importance of God, of trusting God, can be seen not only in all aspects of our lives, but it is also seen when you face tragedies. If, if you're in the midst of facing a tragedy, whether you trust in the Lord will be fairly evident. If you're in the midst of dealing with, uh, with, with, with uh, situations in life that are, that are less, than, uh, less than something that you desire to deal with, your faith in the Lord is going to become obvious to those around you. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, in verse 11 and 12, he tells us, in him, meaning Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, talking about God, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. You look at Ephesians chapter 1 and what the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus, and in this section of scripture, Paul is simply emphasizing, as you break that, uh, that chapter down a little bit more, he's simply specifying the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Well, what are those spiritual blessings that we have in Christ? Well, it starts with redemption. We have adoption as sons and daughters of God. We receive grace and eternal inheritance, but we also receive acceptance. And in verse 12 of, of, that, on that, of that passage behind me, in verse 12, the Apostle Paul, he explains why, why we have these blessings. We have these blessings because we first trusted in Jesus. You don't have those blessings. You don't have eternal life unless you believe, unless you trust in Jesus in all aspects of your life, in all that the scriptures teach. And so when we sing the song, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus," it's a beautiful song. And that song, if you don't know anything about it, that song was uh, written by a woman named uh, Louisa Stead. She wrote it back in 1882. And this was a song that she wrote, uh, that she wrote because she was dealing with uh, her and her daughter and her son were dealing with poverty. They were dealing, they were stricken with poverty because her husband died unexpectedly. There was a little child who was drowning uh, off of Long Island and he dives in, he goes into the water to save the child and ends up drowning himself. And so now all of a sudden they're in this position of struggle. They're in this position of poverty and not having anything. And so uh, one day she wakes up and she noticed that there was a knock on the door. She goes to the door, but there's nobody there. She opens up the door and she looks around and she noticed there's a package of food uh, in a basket on her, on, her, on her doorstep. And not only is there a package of food, there's an envelope that has money in it. And so she goes back in and after thinking about how God has been providing for her, even in the midst of tragedy, even amidst the uh, midst of sorrow and suffering, she wrote the song, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus." She wrote that song with those circumstances that, are, that, are, that, are, that were surrounding her. And I suppose that there's probably millions of other stories that can be told of how individuals within the church benefited from the providence of God, benefited from God's love and his grace in the midst of a storm in your life. But we generally only benefit from the providence of God when we are faithful and true unto God. Well, what does it mean to be faithful and true unto God? That's what biblical faith is. It means you believe, you trust, and you live obediently. 
In Bible study this morning, I mentioned that there was an Israel within Israel. You had the fleshly Israel, but you had the spiritual Israel. Those who put their full faith and trust in God. And that even, uh, even no matter what hardships of life had come upon them, they fully trusted in God. I, I think about, uh, you think about the 12 spies that were sent out, right? And you think about Joshua and Caleb, right? They came back. Ten of them had a, a, a negative report, but they came back with a positive report. They said, who could stand before us? Who can stand before God if he be on our side? And so we think about, do we really trust in God? Do we really trust in Jesus? Do we really trust in the promises of God? And how we live our lives, how we, re, how we react to tragedy, how we react to inconveniences of life and the storms of life will really display how deep our trust in God really is. And so I suppose, that's why I said I suppose a moment ago, that there are probably millions of stories about the providence of God and how God working in and through your life has been made evidence. But it's usually only made evident to those who are faithful unto God. So this morning we're asked the question, what is trust? What is trust? Well, trust is simply just the act of depending upon someone else to do what is needed in any given situation. In order to do that, we have to let go of control. How difficult, though, is it for us to let go of control? How difficult is it for us to let go of control? I know my wife is smirking up here because she's had a real hard time letting go of control. And, I, I, and she's like, what? What? You said that publicly? But we all know, if you, anybody knows Christy, she's kind of a control freak, right? She kind of likes what she likes, and she likes the way she likes it. But it's okay, right? That's her personality. But in order to really trust in the Lord, we have to, in order to really trust in the Lord, we have to be able to let go and to trust someone. That's why in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse uh, uh, 5 and 6, we've seen that we have to trust in the Lord and lead not on our own understanding. What does it mean to, to, to lean not on our own understanding? It means that even though my experience in life says I should react this way, the Lord instructs me to act this way. And so do I lean on my own understanding in any given situation, or do I allow the instruction of the Lord to be what guides me in this life? You see, brethren, I think back to Abraham. How often have Abraham and many of the patriarchal fathers, right, how often has Abraham, did he have to depend on the Lord, right? He called him to go to a place he knew not where he was going. And I think back to Genesis 18 and 25, and Abraham uttered these words. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? That was in Genesis 18, 25. Well, why do I bring that up? Because Abraham knew that he could trust in the Lord to always do what was right, to always do what was the righteous, good, and wholesome thing. And so in regards to Jesus, in the song, Tis So Sweet to, to Trust in Jesus, we, it, it is us depending on Christ in order to do what he says he will do, in order to, uh, to, to, to bring about all that he said would happen. And so we have to fully trust in God. In the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, But God demonstrates his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us, right? So you think about what the Apostle Paul just said there. Jesus will continue to do the right thing. We know that because in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he says, I will always be with you, even until the end of the days. And so Jesus, 
as he sent the Holy Spirit as the helper, the guide, right? The comforter. As he sent the Holy Spirit to us to guide us in all truth, to bring about and remember all that Jesus said and did, Jesus said that I will be with you always in one form or another, whether it's literally or through his word and through his teachings. But Jesus still sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is our mediator that mediates between us and the Father. He mediates on our behalf. The Holy Spirit groans on behalf of us when we know not the words to pray. So we know that God is working in and through our lives. And so we can trust that Jesus will always do what he says he's going to do, brethren. As we examine trust this morning, trust means that we need to take somebody at their word. Amen? I mean, unlike many people and unlike many organizations and like, unfortunately, even churches nowadays, Jesus always follows through with what he teaches. I think about the, uh, the Gospel of Luke. Open your Bibles this morning to Luke. There's a couple passages of Scripture that we're going to look at that are a little bit uh, too long to put on a slide. We're going to read through Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, and I'm going to give you a, a moment to, to turn there because I want you to see that Jesus is telling his first disciples that, that, we could, that, that, that they could trust in him, right? And so we're going to see that as Jesus calls Peter, and as Jesus gets in Peter's boat, he's going to show him first by his teachings and uh, in, in, in convicting his heart, and then he's going to show him by action that he could trust him. And so notice what it says now in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he, as, he, as Jesus got in, on, into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land, he sat down, he began to teach the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and he said to him, Master, he said, we had worked hard all night. We caught nothing. Peter's telling him, hey, you know what? It's just one of those days. The fish ain't biting. Have you ever gone fishing? Once, twice, three times? Never even got a nibble? Peter's saying, it's, it's, it's one of those days. But listen, if you want me to set out the nets, I'll set out the nets. So Peter says, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And so in, in effect, Peter's saying, I'm going to trust you. And then in verse 6 and following, it says, When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. And so they signaled to their partners in another boat, and they came over to help. And they came, and they filled both of the boats. And so they began to sink. But when Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Notice in verse 5, when, uh, when, when, when Peter responds to Jesus about letting down the nets, he uses the word master. But then you get, to verse, uh, you get to verse 8, and he uses the word Lord. He says, Lord, leave me, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him, it says in verse 9, and his companions as well, because of the great quantity of fish that they had caught. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed Jesus. 
Brethren, you look at this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 5. And I point to this passage of Scripture because Peter, Simon, he didn't know Jesus from Adam. This man just got in his boat. And he says, hey, I'm out here cleaning my net. Some dude just gets in my boat and says, hey, would you put out from the, put out from the land a little bit? And he begins to sit down to teach a lesson. Peter never met him before, but he listens to the lesson, and he must have been pricked in the heart a little bit. He must have been uh, confounded a little bit by the lesson. And then when Jesus tells him to put out into the deep, he says, listen, we haven't caught anything all night. We worked hard. I'm probably tired, but you know what? I'll do. I'll trust you, and I'll do as you say. I trust you because I just heard your message, and now I see the great quantity of fish more fish than I've ever caught in my entire life, so much so that my boat's about to capsize, my partner's boat's about to capsize, and what happens? It says that when they got back to the land, they just left everything, and they followed Jesus, who says, no longer will you be, uh, uh, you, no longer will you be fishers of fish, but you will be fishers of men. It says, brethren, in order, when we think about that, that, that passage, after hearing Christ's message, after seeing the great quantity of fish, he trusted Jesus to the extent that they literally left everything behind. And they went for three and three and a half years and followed this man, followed the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brethren, trust is one of the main components of faith. And without trust, your faith will be dead. Do you understand that? You guys hear me say it all the time. Belief, trust, obedience. That's biblical faith. Without trust, your faith will be dead. Look at the next passage of Scripture. Flip over to Matthew chapter 14. And I want you to see in verse 25 through 31, we're going to see this little passage of Scripture that talks about Jesus walking on water. And when we get to Matthew chapter 14, you're going to see how Peter, he must have trusted the Lord to a certain extent, but did he fully trust and that's why I ask you sometimes. You say you trust in the Lord, but do you fully trust in the Lord? Because Peter must have trusted, because when he finds out it's Jesus on the water, he says, Lord, command me to come to you. So what did Peter, what was he thinking? There was no boardwalk. He must have thought he was going to be able to walk on water. Notice what it says. Matthew 14, 25-31. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Do you see what's happening there? He's saying, if it's really you, then command me. Because I've already seen what you've done multiple times. I've seen some of the miracles that you've done. Things that are unexplainable. And if it's you walking on water, that's unexplainable. So command me to come to you. He's saying, I'm going to put my trust in you, right? Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in verse 28. And he said, Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat, and what does it say? He walked on the water. He came, he started to come toward Jesus. But all of a sudden, seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately, it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? 
You have little faith. He says, why did you not trust in me? He's probably thinking, how much more do I need to show you? How much more do I need to do for you to, put, to fully put your trust in me? Jesus was saying, why didn't you trust me? Jesus was saying, don't you know who I am by now? Remember when uh, Doubting Thomas said, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. And he says, show you the Father? Have I not been with you for so long, and yet you still do not know who I am? Brethren, trust means that we believe somebody, and we take them at their word. Peter asked for Jesus to command him to come to him, and Jesus said, come, Peter. He started to walk on water until he allowed his faith to waver. He allowed his trust to waver. Brethren, I'm here to tell you this morning that trust means believing some, someone's word. It means believing God's word more specifically. Without belief and without trust in all that God says, our faith will be as useless as Peter trying to walk on water without a full and complete faith. Does that make sense? Our faith if it's not fully abiding in the Lord, will be as useless as Peter trying to walk on water when his, when his faith, when his trust wavered in the Lord. I look at another passage of Scripture, and this one's on the screen behind me, but you could turn to it if you want, Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 22. I'm just trying to give you a few examples here that, that Jesus, he rebukes his disciples, he rebukes his apostles for their lack of faith, for their lack of trust at various times, and, and it's, he's trying to set an example. He's trying to, to prove a point that you could trust me in all things. That's the reason why Jesus gave many teachings before his death and his, his resurrection and ascension. So that way, his disciples, his early apostles, can look back unto Christ, remember what he said. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. And, they, and Jesus says, I tell you these things beforehand, so when they happen, you can remember that I said to you. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to the people of Rome in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 17. As it is written, a father of many nations I have made you, talking about Abraham, and in the presence of him who, whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist, in hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which has been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, Abraham contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was almost 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb he considered. And yet, with respect to the promise of God, it says he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God promised, he was also able to perform. And what does verse 22 say? And it was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as righteousness because he trusted fully in the Lord. He trusted fully in God that he's able to perform and to do all that he promised. And so, brethren, we here in the 21st century, we need to remember that. That is why you guys hear me say all the time that, that faith is a three-component uh, part, right? There's three parts to a biblical faith. Belief, trust, and obedience. And I'm going to continue to say that and hammer that home because we need to understand it. It doesn't matter if you believe and trust, but you're not obedient to what God calls you to do. Your faith will then be useless. 
If you believe and you're obedient, but you don't necessarily trust, well, then you're going to lack in obedience, and so your faith is still useless. Remember what it says in James, that faith without works is dead? That's where obedience comes in. It, it's really all three of those things working in harmony with one another. Because of Abraham's belief, because of Abraham's trust, it was accounted to him as righteousness. It was accounted to him as faith. So I ask you this morning as we move on from, from that aspect of what is trust, we look at the idea now is why is it sweet? Well, this is pretty simple, brethren. When we completely and totally trust in somebody, you have no worries. If you completely and fully trust somebody, you have then no worries, which makes it sweet. That's why it's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Because we know that we don't have to worry about Jesus not fulfilling his word, not fulfilling his promises. That's why we constantly put our trust in the Lord. Brethren, consider in Matthew chapter 6. We don't have to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, and we're not going to read that passage this morning. But Jesus, in that section of scripture, is telling us uh, not to be worried about our lives. He says, why do you worry about your life in regard to what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear? He, said, he says, he goes, he goes, think about the birds of the air. He goes, think about them. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't uh, sow, they don't reap, they don't store up and, 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 uh, and, and gather in barns, and yet the scriptures tell us that your father feeds them. So if our heavenly father takes care of the birds who don't sow, they don't reap, and they don't store up in barns, and yet he feeds them, how much more important are we? How much more valuable are we who are made in the image of God, who has given us his spirit to reside within us, to guide us when we know not what to pray, to, to, to give us strength during moments of temptation. Brethren, we look at the scriptures here this morning, and you think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling us that worry is useless, for you cannot turn one hair white or brown on your head. You cannot change one thing. How much, how much worrying have you done in your life, and how many things have really changed because of the worry? Sure, you could stress yourself out, you could give yourself headaches and migraines and everything else, but did, did the problems go away? And so Jesus tells us that worry is useless, and that all we could do is do our best, live faithfully and actively unto the Lord, and then we turn the rest over to God, who is faithful to those who are faithful to him. Brothers and sisters, we must trust in God after we have done our part. And you're going to hear me say that a couple times here this morning. We must trust in the Lord after we have done our part. We, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then we trust in God who is faithful to those who are faithful. Brethren, when you think about prayer, when you think about how important that is, it's so very important. Because if you're doing your part, meaning that you are working and that you are doing your best to live out faithfully unto the Lord and you have an active faith, then if there are still things that you lack, you then, you, through prayer and supplication, you turn them over to God, who is faithful to those who are faithful to him. And that is called the providence of God. And we can see how God doesn't work in miraculous ways here in the 21st century, but God works through his providential care. 
He works through you and I in, in God's blessings that come from him through us to one another as we help support one another. That's, where, that's why we're supposed to bear each other's burdens. That's why we're supposed to help support and encourage one another in the time of need. That's why we're supposed to confess our sins one to another so that way we can help deal with them and we can help each other deal with the sin in our lives. You see, brethren, there are lots of different things that can be said about providential care. But the bottom line is God works through each of us in order to bless each other. And so we have to remember that, just like Louisa Stead, who wrote that song, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus," when she's, she's dealing with poverty, have not being able to feed herself or her kids, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and then she looks outside, no one's there, and yet there's a basket full of food and money in order for her to then help her family. God provided for her who was faithful. Brothers and sisters, as we look at the scriptures throughout time, mankind has only received God's blessings when we decided to go. Would Abraham been the father of nations if he said, nah, I'm not really interested in going? Right? Would Noah have died in the flood with his family if he decided, you know, I don't really want to build a boat? That's going to take a long time. That's going to be a lot of work. I don't want to. And so, do you think he would have been saved? What about Naaman? Do you think Naaman would have been saved if he didn't go in the Jordan River and dip, dip seven times as he was instructed by God through the prophet Elisha? You see, brother, no, he would still have been dealing with leprosy. Do you think that the children of Israel would have been saved through the Red Sea if they, if they rebelled against God and said, you know what, forget it, we're going back. The army's chasing us. I don't want to die out here in the desert. I'm just going to hightail it back to Egypt and go back into slavery. Do you see how important it is that we trust in God? But the blessings of God do not come upon those who trust in him until they're willing to go and to do and to actually live out their faith as required by them by God. You see, brethren, it's also important that we realize that there are some things that we can't do ourselves. There are some things that we can't do ourselves. We can't control the world, can we? Have you ever tried to control the world around you? How well does that work out for you? Have you ever tried to control certain situations? How well did that work out for you? We can't control the world, but Jesus can. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, in verse 21 and 22, the apostle Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him his head as over all things to the church. Brethren, we can't control the world, but Jesus can. We can't trust in our own righteousness to save us, but we can trust in Jesus to save us, because Jesus is faithful and true. Jesus is so faithful that he suffered a gruesome death on a cross while he, uh, while he went to die while we were yet sinners. Knowing that many, and if not most, of the people of the world were going to reject him and reject his sacrifice, he did it anyways. In the book of Philippians, in chapter 3, in verse 8 and 9, the scriptures tell us, More than that, I count all the things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, Paul tells them. For whom I, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as but garbage. He says, I count them as but rubbish, from what I have gained from Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from law-keeping, but that which is through 
faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, the basis of belief, the basis of trust, the basis of obedience. Brethren, we can't bring ourselves back from the dead, but Jesus can. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11, it goes on to say, and I, may, and I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I, may t- that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters, it is sweet to trust in Jesus. It is sweet to trust in Jesus. And when we feel that the world is out of control, turn your worries over to God because there is little in this world that you can change but you can change who you are. You can change your mindset. You can change your heart condition. You can change by fully submitting in all areas of your life over to a God who is faithful and true. So we have to ask ourselves this morning, because some will often ask the question, why do you put your trust in Jesus? Why do you go out of your way to always help others? Why do you go out of your way to be kind and loving? Why do you put your trust in Jesus? Well, before I close this down, brethren, we trust in Jesus because he offered his life. He offered his life for salvation, as we learn in John chapter 3. We trust in Jesus because God declared him to be his son by the resurrection of the dead, as we learn in Romans chapter 1. We trust in Jesus because he is now in control of all things, as we learn in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3. We trust in Jesus because he has all authority in heaven and earth, as we learn in Matthew chapter 28. We trust in Jesus because without him, there is no hope. There is no eternal life, as we learn in Ephesians chapter 2. And we trust in Jesus, brethren, because Jesus keeps his promises, as Peter instructs us in 2 Peter chapter 2. So as I close this lesson down, I want you to ask yourself this morning, do you trust in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus? And if you say yes, and if you're just giving the Bible answer, telling the preacher what he wants to hear, if you say you trust in Jesus, but you don't submit in all areas of your life, your faith is useless. I'm going to say that again. If you say you trust in Jesus, but you don't submit to God in all areas of your life, your faith is as useless as Peter trying to walk on that water when his faith wavered in Jesus. You see, brethren, trust in Christ begins in the waters of baptism. It ends at the judgment seat of, a judgment seat of God. But in between those two events, we fully submit and we actively live out faithfully unto the Lord. You see, brethren, if you're here today, or if you're here today but you're not a child of God, but your desire is to become a child of God, your desire is to submit to his will, your desire is to put your trust fully in him in all aspects of life and trust that he knows what he's doing, then, brethren, you could go down into the baptistry here this morning. You'll receive the remission of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God himself will add you to the church, to the Lincoln Park congregation, as well as the, the universal church of the Lord. If that is you this morning, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.